Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Stonebrook Pastors Question and Answer Podcast. Lord willing, each week we will take a question you've asked and spend about 15 minutes responding to it. The questions might be about theology, the Christian life, or just a simple question about what's going on in the church and why. My name is Matt Harama. I'm one of the pastors at Stonebrook Community Church. And today I'm sitting down with pastors Brad and Dave to discuss Hebrews 3.13. What does it mean to encourage each other daily? And why is that so important? I hope this is helpful. Okay, guys, the question on the table today is the passage in the scriptures that says that we ought to encourage one another daily to keep uh, to keep from being hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What does that mean? And how should we, or how can we do it? How should we go about living life? So that's what we're doing daily sins, deceitfulness, hardenedness. What does that look like? What does it mean? And how do we do it? What do you guys think? Oh, it's such an easy topic. Yep. <laughs> no, I love this topic because there is first uh, Peter two, I think it's verse 11 says, abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. And while we're on this earth, even though we've, we have the spirit within us, we still have a flesh and there's a war against the world and a war against the devil. And all these things are pressing in on us. And we don't always think clearly we get deceived. We do get hardened. Sin does deceive us. There's a, a, an enslaving component to sin. And we just, we just need a lot of help to keep our minds on things that are above. Colossians 3 would say, not on things that are on the earth, on things that are heavenly, not on things that are fleshly and worldly. So I think that's, that's the challenge before us is to, the body has to do its part to keep our, keep our hearts our, and our minds engaged with the Lord so that we can think straight. And then of course, act straight, act uh, according to the, uh, to the Lord's will. I think one thing that's interesting about the verse, it seems like the, the reason for the verse is that it's much easier to get deceived than we think. Ah. And we tend to think, well, the, the, the fact is, if you're deceived, you don't know it. That's the definition of deception. You're off track and you think you're not. And uh, I like to think about, uh, you know, a sailboat if, or any kind of boat. If you get out away from the shore on a cloudy day where there's no sun or stars shining, you can get totally disoriented and have no, without a compass, <laughs> you have no idea where you are and you can uh, totally be in trouble but if you can keep the land in shore at least you know which way to go and uh i think that's what the church is or other people that are following god are like they're they're like having the land in sight so that you can know that you're going the right direction so it sort of gives us some context for our thoughts right this is the you're, you're kind of talking about blind spots. The, the very definition of a blind spot is that you can't see it. And so the idea of being in community, living uh, with one another is that, what's the, the phrase? We've got each other's back. So I can, I can see your blind spot. That, that part that is out of your field of vision might be in mine. So we can say things to each other. I like that analogy, Dave, of wayfinding and losing your way, but having other people um, waving their arms and saying, it's over here. <laughs> That's good. In a classic verse for me on this is Romans 12, 2. 
is do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed or to be metamorphosized by the renewing, by the reconstruction of your mind. And we just, we just don't think straight. And so the body is a part of that. It's not just me walking with God by myself, keeping myself straight. That just, it's not, that's not entirely biblical. It's, it's certainly part of that, but the fuller picture is the body has to do the work to help me and I have to help them to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You know, there's several things that, there's a couple of things that you just cannot thrive as a Christian without. And one of them is uh, the word, you know, you have to have the word. Otherwise it's like a, a baby not getting any food. I mean, you can, you know, take him to the doctor or you can, uh, you know, wonder, oh, he's got this problem, you know, or whatever. But if he's not getting food, he is not going to grow and he's not going to thrive. And this verse is interesting in the context. It's talking about falling away from the living God. Um, take care lest there be in you an evil, unbelieving heart and falling away from the living God. And in the context, it's talking about the... Uh, generation of the Israelites who turned away from God and were, um, uh, you know, didn't, were, were not approved by God. And so I think that's a, a second thing. We, we need one another. The word itself is just not enough. We need one another. It's, uh, we're likely to fall away if we don't uh, get encouragement, if we don't stick with the church and, and you know, with one another regularly. This one, it says daily, um, and I suppose it should be daily in some form that we encourage one another, whether it's in our family or our household, um, we need that encouragement. So it's important for a Christian to be in a context where they are able to receive encouragement daily. I've, I've talked, I remember I had a uh, solo dorm room in college uh, when I was kind of a first, a baby Christian. And um, it was not a good situation for me because I was able to isolate and shut my door and shut my windows and nobody knew where I was or what I was up to. And, um, and that was a bad situation spiritually and physically for me. Uh, and so I would always encourage um, believers in uh, for, for years after that and still today be in a situation where you're not alone. You're not living alone. And it, it's harder to do in our society. I think um, it seems like in a more, we talk about traditional versus technological societies a lot as pastors here. That's from a book called man and woman in Christ um, had some great commentary on that in a traditional society. You're much more integrated within a community. You're interacting with the community very closely. You're living in close quarters with multiple generations. But in our society, it's easy to have an apartment by yourself. And I think maybe the encouragement might be, if you are a believer, don't be in that situation. Get yourself in a situation where you have some believing roommates with you. Um, that, that can be hard. And I know that some people feel stuck not in that situation. But I think that would just be a pastoral encouragement. If you are living alone, don't. So what do you guys think? Any thoughts along that line? Well, or, to that. <laughs> yeah, or if, if there's a situation where it just seems like the Lord has led you to live alone for whatever reason, uh, get, get involved with an email thread or you go. phone calls with people or some way to keep connected with others and get that encouragement that uh, text someone a verse every day and have them text you a verse. You know, it's ways to do it that, even if you are required to live alone for whatever reason, um, you can hopefully get encouragement. 
That's a good bit. And I think, I think Dave, the point you're bringing up is, is that there's, there are many ways that we, it'd be Hebrews 3, Matt was the verse, verse you were quoting earlier, Hebrews 3, 12, yep. and there'd be many ways to get that, and could be a text message, like you said, Dave, or it could be a phone call, it could be a small group, it could be, it could be my wife, it could be hanging out with other pastors, uh, could be reading a good books, coming on Sunday morning and singing and, and praying together as a church and interacting afterwards. Sometimes just hanging out with people and you see their examples. I see how one of you men treats your wife and, I, and I, the spirit might prompt me to say, you know, Brad, you need to treat your wife like that. You need to obey. Or I see someone else being generous and my heart is challenged. I think, oh, wow, I want to be generous like that. And so it's not just hearing the word, but it's seeing people live out the faith and their examples or sometimes even their failures. And you go, oh, boy, I don't want to go there. Lord, help me. And uh, so there are challenges, both in the positive and the negative sense, that I think help us along that line. And it just doesn't happen when you're by yourself. I've had some conversations with people who are in a living situation with other believers, but don't like it. Uh, they don't like the particular roommates they have, for example. And you know, in talking to them, that it brings on hardship and it brings out brings out um, you know pain and and all of that and. And that needs to be dealt with. And there's a lot of ways that we need to engage as a whole community of the church to help those households grow and thrive and get along with one another. But I would just want to encourage as well along, along with that is don't, don't despair. If that is the situation, those might be the scenarios God is using to sanctify you. You still are with somebody who is a believer. And even though it might not be the particular preferential situation you, you wish you had an ideal situation where they were always pouring life into you. Um, you know, there's an opportunity to give and, uh, there's an old, old, um, uh, unattributable quote that often goes to St. Francis of Assisi or something, but it's the, um, uh, it's in giving that we receive it's in dying that we find life. And that's just, that's just coming off of Christ's teaching of, uh, he would seek to gain his life. will lose it. But if you want to find life, you know, um, lose it for my sake that I'm paraphrasing there, but you know, this is interesting. You know, we're talking about receiving uh, encouragement so that you don't get deceived, but the verse is actually commanding us to give that to others, to be on the lookout for one another, um, exhort one another daily. So I, I think there's uh, what you're saying is true. Uh, we should be on the lookout for others as well and not just caring for ourselves. Yeah, good point. It, there, there is a parallel there, even with married couples. And, and I think when it's, it's tempting when you're unmarried to think, well, married couples have it made. But if uh, the attitude of the spouse is give to me, give to me, give to me without any thought for um, I'm giving to you, I'm giving to you, I'm giving to you, you're going to have two very unfulfilled, unmet, <laughs> you're two people with no needs met. It's in that mutual giving to one another. And it's oftentimes, well, how do you break a cycle where both are in a needy moment? Well, you have to get to a place where at least one of the spouses starts saying, you know what, I'm going to start giving. And then that's like watering a, a dead drying plant. And suddenly that dead drying plant is can then thrive and start giving back that reciprocity cycle only works the only the only action you can take in that cycle is not complain that i'm not getting it is the giving that starts to break that reciprocity cycle quick subject change here i i did notice looking this verse up i have memorized this verse i think in the e, uh, niv where it says encourage one another every day as long as it's called today um, but the esv says exhort 
one uh, exhort one another every day. Um, is we and I tend to use those two words differently. Um, exhort usually takes on more of a maybe a negative, forceful sort of tone than encouragement. Usually, usually like um, lighthearted or gentle or or something like that. Have you guys given thought to those two words and how we use them and maybe what this verse, uh, or the breadth of the meaning of this verse here? Yeah, the word I think is the Greek word parakaleo, which means to be called alongside to help, and uh, it has really in the new testament both shades of meaning mm. um to be an encouragement comfort uh you know spurring someone on in, in an encouraging way as well as to exhort that would just be a stronger sense of the same thing really strongly urging someone we have two words and i think there are other words there is a word for comfort in greek too but this one i think is, is a little broader than our word encourage or exhort it kind of can, can mean both. Is it, well, is it, the, the Strong's Concordance defines a word. It also includes comfort and instruction. So it's a very broad word that you could probably apply a lot of a lot of verbs to that. Uh, that and maybe it fits the context better if it says exhort or encourage. Well, it's interesting because it, Dave, you're talking about the. It really is about coming alongside someone and giving them the thing they need. Yeah. And and First Thessalonians five sort of draws that out with I always think kind of the three prong approach. It's uh, what, what is it? Rebuke the uh, unruly, encourage. There's that word, the faint-hearted, and strengthen the weak. And there's different flavors to each of those too. If somebody's if somebody's unruly, they don't need to be encouraged or strengthened. They need to be told, "Hey, sit down, and 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 get in line," so so to speak. But if somebody's faint-hearted and they're told, "Hey, sit down and get in line," that's just gonna it's going to make the situation worse. So it seems like the range of possible meaning here in Hebrews 3.13 uh, brings all of those things in with it. And then it becomes an issue of discerning the need of the moment. Mm -hmm. let's, ra let's wrap up here. Hardened by sin's deceitfulness, Dave, I was struck by a comment you made toward the beginning here, where it said it's easier to become hardened than we tend to think if encouragement is required daily. So you don't become hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Let's, let's wrap up uh, with what, is it, what does it mean to become hardened by sin's deceitfulness, what does that look like? And how does encouragement, exhortation uh, guard against that? I think a lot of it has to do with what you were just saying is we have this tendency to have the world revolve around me. We tend towards selfishness. We tend to forget about the big picture of who God is. And, hmm. and we tend even to forget about other people's needs. And so that's that me orientation, I think, is, is the essence of sin. It's not that I don't have needs and that those needs aren't important, but it's, it's uh, putting them in the proper perspective. And our, our tendency, all of our tendency, is to make those much higher than they should be. Mm. Um, and that's selfishness. Mm. I think that's often the the essence of why we get deceived um, it's often that we're putting ourselves at the center of things and, and forgetting about who God is. And then it becomes easy for us to try to justify that. I was listening to a podcast that actually the Bible project uh, podcast, which I think we would commend uh, as a, as a route for study for a lot of people. Um, and it was really tracing this theme of selfishness from the garden all the way through um, Babylon, through, uh, the judges through the patriarchs through Israel and uh, the self-orientation and one real simple 
definition, I'm going to paraphrase it here, but one real simple definition they gave of sin was taking the gifts and resources God has given us to bless others and use them to um, enhance our own power and glory in a sense. Rather, So we've been given these re resources to be a blessing, but instead when we try to use it to dominate others, that's, that's kind of the essence of sin. And domination can look like a lot of different things or self-centeredness can look like a lot of different things, but it really is that me first attitude that we need to combat at all times, but it can be really hard when you're in that stuck position. Um, so, so as the one coming in, trying to do the encouraging, helping to pull somebody up out of that self-orientation really is a, is a, is a tricky thing to try to do. People get defensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for we, sure. We, we don't want to uh, be pointed out that, you know, taking away what we feel like we need. Hmm. Well, and, and even in Hebrew, Hebrews 3 there, it says, lest you become hardened. And the word just means to become hard or it can be stubborn and obstinate. And mm -hmm. uh, no one wants to be called stubborn and obstinate. And so the opposite of that would be soft and tender and mm -hmm. pliable before the Lord. And um, so, yeah, the thought of being hardened in that sense is rather alarming. All right. So quick summary here. Uh, it seems like there, it, this verse Hebrews three thirteen, does indicate that it, um, it is daily, almost daily interaction, uh, is, is needed in the Christian life. Daily, daily interaction, encouragement with one another. Uh, and Dave, I like your summary, uh, with, with the word and with one another, and maybe just add the triune God on top of that, just for completeness sake, right? We need him, <laughs> and, and, but, but that's the hands and feet tend to the, where the, the, the divine and ineffable meet the physical, it tends to be in those two areas. And so, um, so, so, so the triune God, the word of God and one another, uh, we need that daily to keep from being uh, deceived and, and hardened by sin. And that tends to have to do with our self orientation and the way to sort of break that cycle is to start giving uh, to those that are around you, put yourself in a situation where you're able to be encouraged daily by others. And um, that, that me first demanding attitude, be on the lookout for that. And then first uh, Thessalonians five, uh, when we are seeking to encourage one another can be a, a range of things needed in the moment beside just a pat on the back and they're there, which is oftentimes needed, but sometimes with that then comes correction with um, and bringing in uh, um, Paul's teachings elsewhere though, too, with gentleness and patience, you know, so um, there it is. It's a good verse. Good verse. Any final words? I usually get the final word and I ask if you have final words and nobody says anything. Anybody? No. I would add a prayer on yes. that stool of things. There you go. Too. Uh, the word prayer and fellowship. So that's good. Word, prayer, fellowship with the well, trying God. That's you can encourage others is to pray for them, I think. That, that's very helpful. Can't go wrong there. If you don't know what else to do with a person when you're trying to encourage slash exhort them, let's pray together. That's a, that's a good, good place to end. So, all right, guys, thanks. This is a good conversation. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for listening to the Stonebrook Pastors Question and Answer Podcast. If you have a question you'd like to hear answered, email us at ask at stonebrook.org. We'll see you Sunday.